we stand together in honor of God's word? We are in Joshua chapter 6 and 7 today. Here we go. This is before they go into Jericho. Joshua gives this command, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. This is a warning. If you take the devoted stuff, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect all of us. Okay, and then 7-1. But the Israelites, this is after they conquered Jericho, um, the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Here's the problem. Joshua did not know it. And so they, they made a plan to go into Ai, which was the next city. And they were defeated by Ai. 36 soldiers died. Jerem, uh, Joshua cried out to God, God, why did we ever have to leave the wilderness? We never should have done this. Now we're going to be defeated. And God said, stop crying. He, he said, this happened for a reason. You need to deal with the sin in the camp. And now we go to him dealing with it. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the gold, the robe, the gold bar, his daughter, sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Achor means trouble. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you would give us tender hearts today. Lord, this is a tough message. This is, this is why we go through a book of the Bible, because we don't just do the parts we like. We do the parts that are really hard and hard to hear. Lord, I pray you'd give us perseverance. I pray no one would turn off their computer halfway through this message, because I don't, I don't really like this. And I pray for those that are here, that they won't just pack up and leave. Lord, I pray there would be some perseverance with the word of the Lord, with the truth of the Lord, because you have got something very redemptive for every single one. I'm convinced of it. Lord, sometimes the most difficult words are the most important words for our souls. So come and speak. Grant the fear of the Lord in this place. Hide me behind your cross, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message is Willful Sin. Willful sin, defined as point one, is when you know something is wrong and you choose to do it anyway. Or you are told not to do something 
and you go ahead and do it. Either God tells you to do something and you don't do it, or God tells you not to do something and you do do it, and you know exactly what you're doing. This is an example of willful sin. Achan knew it was wrong. He knew he had sinned. He knew how he had sinned, and uh, that's what willful sin is. It is when we leave the light, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Because God loves us, he doesn't overwhelm us. When you say yes to God, when you come to him, he takes us just as we are, and, but he doesn't leave us that way. He, he starts working on us, but he doesn't overwhelm us. He doesn't do everything all at once. That would be very, very discouraging. So what he will do is he'll do one area at a time. That's called walking in the light. He'll, he'll put his finger on something, and if you are in agreement, yep, that, that needs work, yep, I've got that attitude, and you're willing to wrestle with him until he gets his way in that area, that's called walking in the light. And the Bible says if you walk in the light, all your other sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't mean you don't have any other sins. Doesn't mean that you don't have a hundred wrong attitudes and wrong things. It just means God's not working on all those and they're cleansed and you are right with God and you're in fellowship with God because you're walking in the light. To leave the light is when God is dealing with you on a specific area and you say, "Uh uh-uh. Not doing it. Or not stopping doing it, not happening. And what happens then is you break fellowship with God. Does that mean you're no longer a child of God, that you're no longer a beloved child? No, of course not. This is the teenager that is angry because you said it was wrong and you disciplined them and you grounded them and they're angry and they're in disagreement and so they are breaking fellowship with you to let you know that. And it doesn't mean they're not talking to you. It's just they're not really talking to you. You, you know, how was your day? Fine. How did that science say you had that big test? Yeah, it went fine. Yeah, well, honey... Well, anything else, anything else happened to nothing. And, and they're present, they still live in your house, they still in, come to meals, but that, that fellowship is gone because they've chosen to walk in darkness or offense and, and so there is a strain there. Well, it, 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 interesting, I'm from a big family, And it's not just that you break fellowship with the parents. You also break fellowship with siblings that agree with your parents. You want to find the sibling that agrees with you. You want to find the one that says, yeah, mom and dad are mean. Yeah, they're unfair. Yeah, you're right, they're wrong. Yeah, and you want to spend time with that member of your family. And the ones that are like, this is on you, dude. Mom and dad said this was wrong. They said you were going to be grounded and now you're mad that you, you did it and now you're grounded and you're mad. This is on you. And here's, what, here's what, what's true. When you're in the darkness, you don't want to have fellowship with on-fire Christians. <laughs> you don't want to be with people that are going to agree with God and not agree with you. But you're looking for Christians that are just as offended as you are about God or the body of Christ or the church and you can hang around with those. In fact, you look for them because they comfort you and yeah, you really are in the right and um, of course, we, we, ne- we never want to say God's in the wrong but we'll say those self-righteous Christians are in the wrong. De- willful sin is valuing our right to sin over pleasing God. Psalm 66 verse 18 If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This is, I know something is sin. And I value that sin and the pleasure that I get that I'm drawing from that sin over my desire to please God. 
And when you do that, you break fellowship with God and God's not going to listen anymore. What does that mean? How can God not listen? Well, let me, let me help you again. My daughter Beth nannied for a few years and it was two young children and one of them was a pre-teenage girl who was a very, very strong personality and she loved to torment her little brother. And so she, one day she made her cry or made her little brother cry and, and Beth said, uh, I need you to tell him you're sorry. And she's like, no, not sorry. Not saying it. Beth's like, okay, go to your room. So she goes to her room. Ten minutes later, can I come out now? Have you said your story to your brother? Nope, not doing it. Okay, you're going to stay in the room. Ten minutes later, I want to watch TV. Can I watch TV? Have you said your story to your brother? Nope, haven't. You're not watching TV. Ten minutes later, I want to go outside. Can I go outside and play with my friends? Everybody else, I can hear them out there. Everybody's playing outside. I want to go outside. Can I please go outside? Nope. Have you said sorry to your brother? Nope. You're not going outside. It's not that Beth couldn't hear her. She just wasn't listening to her because this young lady wasn't listening to Beth. (laughs) She wasn't going to go out until she did what Beth said. She wasn't getting any of the other requests. Now, because Beth loves her and is caring for her, she's not going to take away meals. Just put the meals under the door. You can have your meals in in there. God's God's not going to cut you completely off. He still loves you. He's still going to take care of you. But the idea that he's going to listen to your special request when you are not listening to him, it's not happening. It's not that he can't hear you. He's just not listening. Now, I have a feeling this little girl was used to getting her way at home. That she could just put up a big enough tantrum, long enough, and she could just wear down her parents, and eventually they would give in. She had no idea what she was up against with Beth. (laughs) Beth was completely unmoved by any tantrum, by any begging, by any tears, by absolutely unmoved. Now, Seriously, if she hadn't said sorry to her brother, she'd still be in that room. I'm not kidding. That's how strong Beth's will is. Anyway, um, guys, you don't, you don't ever want to be in this power thing with God. God has a will of steel. We need him. He doesn't need us. It's not like he's gaining some great thing when you're out of your room. And then now he's having a better day because you're out of your No, God's always having a good day. If you choose to stay in the room and he says you're going to stay in there until you do this or stop doing that, you're going to be in that room until you... And so make peace with God quickly. The Bible says if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That's 1 John 3.16. That's talking about walking in the light. If you walk in the light, you're going to have confidence before God. Doesn't mean you're sinless. Doesn't mean God's approving of everything. It just means you are walking in the light and you've got this confidence with God. Willful sin will rob you of your confidence before God. So that was point one. Here's point two. The seriousness of willful sin. First, it's power to deceive. Hebrews 3.13 says this about sin. It talks about the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives. How does it deceive us? First, it tells you that no one is going to find out. What's going on with Achan? What is his big plan? Okay, so he's got this stuff hidden in his tent, but the tent's going to move. I mean, they're moving from city to city. They're going to be all over the the promised land. What is the long-term plan for this treasure? His plan is probably this. As soon as we move on, I make a treasure map. I know where this is. After we've done everything in the promised land, we're all in our inheritance, I will make my way back here. I'll dig this up and I'll give some other reason why this, and I'll, I'll get ahead. And, and no one is going to know. He probably buried it in the middle of the night. No one's going to know. I got away with this. It's such deception. <laughs> 
Guys, just because you could hide from your spouse or hide from your parents or hide from, from, from the pastor, you cannot hide from God. It says, it says in Hebrews 4.13, all things are laid bare before him. Everything's wide open to him before whom we have to give an account. The one that holds us accountable sees everything. And that doesn't need to be a discouragement to us because the one who knows the most about you also loves you the most and likes you the most. That's amazing to me. But don't deceive yourself. He sees it. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And when, when Naaman um, came and got healed of his leprosy, he had all of this uh, silver that he wanted to pay for his healing. He had these garments that he wanted to give to, to pay for the healing. And Elisha said, absolutely not. You do not earn what God has given freely. And, and, and so he goes away with his healing and he doesn't have to pay anything. Well, Gehazi's the servant. Gehazi's like, are you kidding me, dude? He wanted to give us that money. He wanted, this is such a waste. I, I can't believe it. And Gehazi does the exact same thing that Achan does. He covets and so he goes after him. And he makes up this story and says, hey, my, you know, some friends came right when you left and we don't have anything and I guess we, we could use some of that stuff. And, and so he asked for a talent of silver, which is a ton of silver. And Naaman is more than happy. And he says, I'm not just going to give you one talent. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to double what you've asked for. And so Gehazi gets back into the home and he gets it in his room and everything's fine. And Elisha says, where have you been? And he says, oh, I'm not nowhere. And Elisha is like, really? Really? You're going to try to, I'm a prophet for crying out loud. You're going to try to, I, my, I sell everything you did. Sin deceives us because it says nobody's going to find out. God will always know. Sin deceives us in a second way because it promises to make our life better when in fact it will make our life much, much worse. Do you guys all know that fishing is deception? You know what you're doing when you're fishing? You are promising a fish dinner. I love you, little fishy. I love you, little fishy. I love you so much. I'm going to give you this beautiful worm. Or I, I've got this little, this something you just really, really want. I love you so much, little fishy. Come and get it. Come and eat. Look, it's all for free. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to search for it. It's right there in front of you. And then, boom, it turns out there's a hook on there. And then you draw that baby in. And then that fish is now at the mercy of the fisherman. Isn't that right? So I did not plan this. But Joyce is doing this, this book study on the bait of Satan. I, I want you to hear Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. God says this to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. The short-term pleasure of sin is, is Satan's bait that he puts before the human race. He uses the pleasure of sin to get you to bite. It, it is crouching at the door of the human race. Trust me, it's at your door. He's putting the bait there, and he wants you to choose it because of the short-term pleasure, the easy way you can just get this. He makes it very accessible so that you bite, and then there is a hook in there. The Bible says that the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he will, now you are, you are subject to the purposes of darkness. In Achan's uh, situation, it was death. In Gehazi's situation, it was, he became a leper and, and, and his destiny was stolen. He was, Elisha was the, the servant of Elijah and he got the double anointing of God and, and the, the Holy Spirit came into this world in a more powerful way. Gehazi's supposed to get a double anointing of Elisha, but instead he gets the money that he covets. In fact, he gets a double portion. He gave him double. 
and he gets leprosy. And instead of being close to Elisha, he has to live separately, and he has his destiny stolen by darkness. He bit on the sin, and he had his destiny stolen. I'm so sorry, guys, but you have an enemy. He came to kill, steal, and destroy you, and he's got lots of bait in this world he's trying to get you to bite on. The seriousness of willful sin. First, it's power to deceive us. Secondly, the effect willful sin has on other people. So, it turns out that because of Achan's sin, 36 men died. They went ahead with the advance on Ai. The, the people of Ai, the warriors of Ai chased them and 36 people died and it was all because of Achan's sin. This is not how we think in America. We, we think we sin all for ourselves. It's just about us. I don't like myself that much anyway. I'll do whatever I want to. I will do it because it's just me and I'm the only one that's going to pay the price. Wrong. You're connected to a lot of people. Because of his sin, 36 families lost their father. 36 wives lost their husbands. Discouragement came on the whole body of Israel because of one person's sin and God's favor being removed. This, was, this became very, very real to the Israelites. So fast forward to chapter 22. They're now all in their inheritance. And the, 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 the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have gone back over the Jordan River to where their inheritance was on the east side. And they build this big altar. And, uh, and, 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 the, and, and God had given specific instructions that the only altar that is to be sacrificed on is the one he designates. So this, in the Israelites' mind, this is an illegal altar. So they get all of their troops, all of their armies, they all go to the Jordan River, and they send over Phineas, the high priest, and a leader from every tribe. Ten leaders go over, and they say this to, to the leaders of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe. What are you doing? Why are you building this altar? And then they say this. Here's the words they say. Verse 20. When Achan, son of Zerah, was unfaithful in regard to the devoted things, did not wrath come on the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sin. You are putting us all in jeopardy because of what you are doing here. And then, of course, they explained, listen, this altar isn't, for sacrifice, we know what God said. This is remembrance. We want to make sure we're... And they're like, oh, okay, that's okay. That's all right. But I want you to see this feeling of we are together. And, 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 and we need each other. And we need to um, walk this thing out together because one person's sin affects those around them. Look at how his sin affected his children. Get the children, get his sons and daughters, and bring them to the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble. Now, there is a question in the text as to whether the kids were stoned as well as Achan. Twice it says that he was stoned, and once it says they were stoned, but they could mean the animals that were with him, and they just watched. Here's what Deuteronomy 24, 16 says. Now, the, the reason why this is so important is because I want you to remember what God said to Joshua twice in, in, in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Be careful to obey the law of Moses. Be careful. Don't let the, these words depart from mouth. but be careful. You obey exactly what the law of Moses said. Now, listen to what the law of Moses said about this. This is verse, chapter 24, verse 16. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. So, 
If the kids were also stoned, it would only be because they were complicit, that they, they actually helped bury the gold. They were part of it. They, they were forced into it, and then they had this horrible choice about do we please dad or do we go to, Moses, or go to Joshua and tell them what happened? Or, and they became part of the cover-up. Or, which I think is more likely, he did it at night when they were sleeping, and his sin affects them that they had to watch their dad die. They are now without their father. They're without any wealth of their, his home. And they are the children of Achan, the one who brought shame on the whole community that they carried the rest of their life. Our sin affects other people. There are two principles that are very, they're critical to understand in the body of Christ, to relate rightly in the body of Christ. The principle of the tares and the leaven. Here's what Jesus said about the tares. He said, let the tares grow together with the wheat. Do not go around trying to, to, to weed out tares, to try to figure out who's a tear and who's a wheat and, and weed out the tares. Lest, in your zeal, you end up removing wheat. Let them grow together and when the harvest comes, it will all become clear who's wheat and who's a tear. <clears throat> It is not the job of the body of Christ to find out who's sinning and to find out how they're sinning and to be watching to, you know, sin, 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 sin. They're sinning. I think they're sinning. I fear they're sinning. I suspect they're sinning. I'm, uh, listen, our sign says, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. Come broken. Come in willful sin. Come sinning. Come whatever you're in. Come here. This is a place for broken people. And who knows what God might do. Maybe, maybe God's going to change everything. Maybe in this service, you are welcome to come. You don't have to clean your life up to come to church, just like you don't have to clean your life up to go, come to God. Come as you are. That's the principle of the terrace. The principle of the leaven is very different. God says you have to remove, you have to address, you have to confront leaven. Leaven is when Someone is not content to sin themselves. They want to evangelize sin. They want to say, look at me sin. I'm a Christian just like you are, and I can do this. And, and, and it's just the nature of sin. When we're doing something that's wrong, we want everybody to say that it's okay. We don't, it's not enough for us to justify it ourselves. We want agreement. And so there's evangelistic sin where I'm trying to get everybody to agree with me that this is okay. You can be a Christian and this is okay. It is the leadership's job to confront leaven. Revelation 2, 20 through 24 this is Jesus himself speaking to the church at Thyatira. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. First, I want you to see his love for this woman. Her, na her, her name is not Jezebel. She's under the spirit of Jezebel from the Old Testament. And she is teaching that it's okay to be immoral and be a Christian. That this is, this is fine. God understands and, and it, it, it is okay. And, uh, and the, the first response of Jesus is nothing. I just gave her time to repent. I gave her time to just re remember who I am, remember what I've commanded, uh, listen to her conscience, listen to the Holy Spirit convicting her. There, there was nothing at first, and, and I gave her time, but, but she didn't repent, and now I'm, I'm bringing suffering on her. 
And not just on her, but also on her children. She is affecting many other people. She is a leader in the church. There are many other people following. And he says, I'm going to bring intense suffering on the children. Pastor Tom, that doesn't sound like love. God bringing intense suffering, that doesn't sound very loving to me. Listen, this is in this morning's one-year Bible reading. If you have to cut off your hand or cut out your eye, that's better than ending up in hell. When you are about to die spiritually, you do whatever you need to do to get it right. You, you, David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I keep your commands. Lord, thank you for afflicting me to bring me back in. God never, it's never God's first choice to bring suffering, but he will allow suffering to bring you back. And then he gives stage three. Jezebel's already passed this. He's already brought suffering on her and she's still unwilling to repent. And so the final one is this. Her children are going to die. She's going to be the cause of their death spiritually. Well, where's their love in that? Well, it's love to the rest of the church. And then the whole church will be warned. The whole church will see this and say, oh boy, that's bad. That's wrong. I need, I need to not do that. I'm gonna, I will use you one way or another. I'm gonna, my purpose of love will be accomplished. So Jesus, in the context of this, is addressing the leadership of the church at Thyatira. And he's saying, you guys have tolerated this. You guys have not confronted leaven and people are dying. People are being led astray because of your cowardice. This woman is promoting something that is creating um, a disaster for my people. Because, and, and, it, and it's your fault, leaders. You are supposed to remove leaven. You are supposed to confront leaven. So why, why did the leaders tolerate Jezebel. When you're, the, when you're a pastor, you understand this <laughs> easily. I can think of three possible reasons why they didn't confront her and why leaders in the United States, leaders of churches, do not confront sexual sin. I have to say this first. I'm going to read this verse. This is from Leviticus chapter 18. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Leviticus 18, and this was in, in the one-year Bible this, this week, Leviticus 18. In the first 23 verses of Leviticus, it gives 18 ways they have sinned sexually. And God says, this is why they're getting vomited out. This is why they're not coming into their destiny. This is why they're not going to take the promised land, and you won't either. Sexual sin. It's the main bait of the enemy, isn't it? Why wouldn't they confront her? Three, three possibilities. One is simply they've redefined love. Love means that you never confront anybody. Love means that there are no boundaries and you certainly don't get to say there are boundaries for other people and that love just means everything goes and that if you, if you confront me, you don't love me. It's just a redefining of love. There's a lot of that going on in our culture right now. Or it could be she's a prophet. 
She has been used by God. She gets visions from God. She gets, she calls herself a prophet. Her identity isn't a prophet. And so that's very intimidating. And nobody wants to confront the person that's more spiritual than they are. Nobody wants to confront that person that God told me, God told me, God told me. And, and so, eh, I don't know. You know, she's powerful. She's a powerful person. I don't know that I want to confront. This is why we have to be able to examine the prophetic us. You, you, have to, you, you have to distinguish between a person that you love, that you respect, and the words they're speaking. You can't just take, when we make an idol of preachers or ministers or prophetic people, we put them and we put ourselves in a very, very dangerous place. So it could be that. It could be they were just intimidated by how spiritual she was or how spiritual she came off. And number three, which is probably the most Likely, she's got a big following. If we confront her, what's going to happen to our precious church? Half the people are going to leave. She's connected to a lot of people. If we, if we confront her, she's going to, all of her children, all of those that are discipling, all of those that follow her, they're all going to leave the church. And then what's the church going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do this? Pastor Tom, I thought you were above that. This is why you need to pray for pastors, that we have the fear of God on us. That we're not, we're not living for anything other than pleasing God and the fear of God, and that we're not living for success. Success can be a horrible idol in the church. All right, let's move on. The seriousness of willful sin, thirdly. Willful sin tramples on the cross and insults the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10, 26-29. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. What, is it? what, what, is, what does this mean? You, you can't change the gospel to make a different gospel. The go, here's what the gospel isn't. The gospel isn't, I now, because of what Jesus did for me, I now get to sin however I want to and God has to forgive me. I, I, I can just live however I want to. God has to, because I prayed the prayer, or I got baptized, or I got confirmed, or I got whatever. God has to forgive me. I'll do whatever I want to do, because now Jesus died for that sin, so I, I, God has to, God does not have to forgive you. This is not why Jesus died. That's an insult to the gospel. Jesus died so that you and I could have a new beginning, so that we could get many new beginnings. It, 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 he incorporated into it our weaknesses and our failures and our propensity towards sin. And, and he knows that we all have weakness in us. It's called an easily besetting sin. And that's very different than willful sin. Paul says, the things I want to do, I'm not doing. The things I don't want to do, I am doing. Oh, who, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? What we do with our weakness, God loves us in our weakness. He loves us in our immaturity. But here's how we honor the Holy Spirit in it. When he convicts us, we agree with him that it's sin, even if we have to agree again and again and again and again. We honor him by becoming vigilant, by saying, this is an area of weakness. I have a propensity here. I'm going to be on watch. This is why AA has weekly meetings. They're on watch. I've got weakness in this area. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to, I'm going to get some accountability in this area. And we honor the spirit of grace. James 5, 16, when we are willing to take measures to get not just forgiven of our sins, but healed of our brokenness. He says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. This is not physical healing. This is about getting healed from the, 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 the failure cycle of sin. The spirit of grace is here to bring healing 
to that which is underneath our sin, which is causing the repeat, the repeat, the repeat. And to say that God can't heal me of my brokenness and I'm just stuck here is it's an insult to the spirit of grace. God wants to heal us. Say, Pastor Tom, what, does this mean that if we, we deliberately sin that we're, we're going to, we're not, Jesus didn't, it doesn't count for us? Anymore? No, no, that's not what it says. It says if we continue to deliberately sin, to continue to willfully sin. If willful sin took us out of the kingdom, I don't think any of us would be here today, honestly. We've all, we've all done willful sin at some point. Deliberate willful sin is when the, the child that's living in the house goes from being offended. Usually a, a teenager that's offended will get over it. They'll come around and they'll say, yeah, I guess I was kind of a jerk. And, 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 but sometimes that offense leads to hatred. And I, I now hate I hate my parents. I'm bitter at them. I hate my parents. They hate me because they've made rules and they've got consequences. So they hate me. And I would rather run away and be homeless than live in that home. That's how much I hate my parents. You say, well, does anybody hate God like that? Mm, Very few would say they hate God. What they usually do is this. They change God. And they make God somebody that my God allows me to do all that stuff. And I love my God because my God is, isn't so strong. My God isn't so holy. My God, my God, uh, there's plenty of room for my lifestyle with my God. And so what they're doing is they're giving permission to themselves to deliberately sin. And now they've got a God that accepts that. So they don't hate, they don't say they hate God. But they do hate the God of the Bible. This is a very difficult day to live in, folks. People are surrounding themselves with teachers that are telling them what they want to hear. Make sure that you're connected with the God of the Bible, not the one you made up. Now, now now let me tell you about the lie. Let me tell you about the lie that that teenager is believing because they are believing mom and dad hate me. Because they made these boundaries and they have these consequences, therefore they reject me. How many know that's never true? Parents love their kids. They're praying for their kids. They want to welcome those kids home. They would do anything for those kids to come home except change the rules. Because the rules are there because they love the kids. The boundaries are there because they love the kids. Trust me. God loves you. God's crazy about you. What is true in Luke 15 is true today. The Father's waiting for you to come home, and when you come home, he's going to run to you and throw his arms around you and say, the one who is dead is now alive again. The one who was blind now sees. That's how God feels about human beings that are away from him. Okay, finally, dealing with willful sin. First, confess quickly. Guys, If Achan confesses quickly, 37 people don't have to die. Achan could come to Joshua on his own and say, I can't believe this, but I I bury this stuff. Don't attack I. Let's go. Let's get this thing. Joshua, they, 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 they dig it up. Joshua then can forgive it. Those 36 men don't have to die. Achan doesn't have to die. Confess Quickly your sins. Proverbs 28, 13, and 14. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Don't make everything have to come out because you were unwilling to confess. Confess it quickly. Secondly, confess completely. Joshua says, my son, honor God. Tell me what you did. And I've just got to give credit to Achan right here. He tells it all. It was sin. This is what I did. This is how I did it. This is where it's buried. And he accepts the consequences. Guys, I want you to know something about Achan. I believe we will see him in heaven. Do you know it says this in 1 Peter 4, 6? That some people suffer temporal judgment in their bodies so that they can live in their spirit even as God lives. Don't assign Achan to hell just because he got judged on this earth. Confess 
completely. God doesn't forgive excuses, so don't give yourself unsanctified mercy. God understands. I was tired. Yeah, I did sin, but I was tired. God understands. I was, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I was angry, so God understands. Uh, God understands. I was depressed. I was so depressed. I was so, I was just buried and depressed, so yeah, I did that, that, and that, and that, but you know, God understands. Or, I needed a release, and God knew that. God knew I needed a release, and so it's not a big deal. Listen, God doesn't forgive excuses. You've got to confess sin. He knew you were tired. That's why you did it, maybe. But you still did it. Say it. I sinned. I sinned against a holy God. I sinned. I'm the one that allowed myself to get angry, tired, depressed, frustrated, and then I gave in to sin, and it was sin, and I own it as sin. And then the worship team can come, thirdly. Thirdly, confess God's faithfulness to forgive and cleanse through Christ. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is God's express plan to give you and I a new beginning where we are cleansed, not just from sin's power and penalty, but from guilt and shame. He wants us to feel righteous again. This is from the devotional. I've got a devotional book, and this is from February 23rd, the day I was working on this. Here's what it says. God has another solution for our guilt. He wants us to bring it to him. If it is legitimate guilt because of sin, he wants us to ask forgiveness so that he can cleanse us, not by our performance, but by Christ's performance for us on the cross. If it is illegitimate guilt or condemnation, he wants to expose its source so we can take a stand against the accuser. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If Satan can't keep us from Christ... He will try to make us unfruitful in Christ. God loves us and he has died for us so that we will have a life-giving and guilt-free relationship with him. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never attack you. It will only he will only attack your sin. When you are being attacked as being a pervert, a liar, a deceiver, and the proof is that you did actions, what he's tr- the enemy is trying to condemn you. He is trying to paralyze you. He, here's why. Because if you feel dirty, you're going to do dirty. If, you, if guilt and shame are, are what you live in, you're going to end up repeating even though you don't want to. There is a phrase that people say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, if that's all you are, is a sinner saved by grace, then you are going to continue sinning because that's what sinners do. And if you accept that that's your identity, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then here's what your Christian life's gonna look like between now and when Jesus comes back or you die. You're gonna sin and you're gonna confess. Sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for more than just to forgive you of your sins. He died to make you favored sons and daughters that are filled with his Holy Spirit, that can walk with him in his victory, that can walk out of sin in this new path where you are and I are at home in the very presence of God. Cain left the presence of God and went to a place of wandering. And many Christians are wandering in the desert and, and it, because they, they don't think they're worthy to come home. They don't think they're worthy of the presence of God. Listen, none of us are worthy of the presence of God. You don't earn the presence of God. Jesus earned it for us. We, we enter it. We enter it. It is your home. You belong in the presence of God. This is where he wants you to live your life, in his presence as favored sons and daughters walking in victory. And if we fail, praise God, we get right back up. We confess quickly. We confess completely. And we get back in that fellowship as those who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Let's stand. I'm going to do one prayer for three groups of people. Here's group one. 
you do not know if you're a Christian, you don't know if God's ever washed away your sins. And today, you, you hear him knocking and you, you want Jesus to save you and wash you and cleanse you. Group two, you've been in the house, but you've been in willful sin. You've been out of fellowship. <laughs> you, there's, there has not been a fire burning and, and you want to get back in fellowship. You want to confess your sin and get washed and cleansed and let that fire come back to your heart. Number three, you have been living tormented by condemnation and guilt and shame because of past sins or even present things that you still are falling into and you can't you can't get past feeling like God doesn't love you, like God doesn't isn't for you, like like th- that this is how this is my identity is guilt. God wants to wash you. He wants to show his power to move, remove guilt and shame. So with every head bowed, if you're in any one of those three groups, would you open your arms to receive this prayer? One prayer, three groups. Lord, you are a big God and you can do a lot in just a very brief time. So Father, I pray for those, this is their first time. They're opening the door and saying, Jesus, save me. Lord, would you come? Would you bring a witness that you have heard their prayer? That you, yes, you did indeed die for them. It is your plan to save them and to favor them and to wash them. Lord, for the group that's been in willful sin, that's either still in the house or maybe had gotten outside of the house, um, we're, we're coming back today. We're, we're agreeing completely with you. And we're saying, Jesus, I, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have fire in my heart. I want to have intimacy. I want to have confidence again in my relationship with you. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me your own. And Father, for those who, and oftentimes it just becomes a pattern, sometimes it's inherited, that can't, can't seem to rise above the shame, guilt, and condemnation of the past or of the present ongoing weakness. Lord, it is not your plan for us to be sin conscious, to be, to be sun conscious. You want to so wash us that when we wake up in the morning, we're thinking about Jesus, not about our sin. We're thinking about how good you are, not about how bad we are. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal the power of your blood. Reveal the power of your cleansing. Lord, the enemy is an expert at identity theft. Give us our identity, Father. We, we break darkness that is trying to take our identity. We are the favored sons and daughters of God. We are those he wants to fill with the Holy Spirit every single day for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.